We're in a series of messages this summer on the 23rd Psalm, and we are in verse 3. We're in verse 3, and um, we're in the second part of this message um, on the third verse, and it is called, this sermon is called, How to Get Strong in God and Stay Strong in God. Anybody interested in that, how to get strong spiritually and stay that way? Um, too many of us are on a spiritual roller coaster up and down, and God loves consistency. Uh, one of the marks of spiritual maturity is that even plane, that even keel, um, staying, on that, staying on that high plane in your relationship with God and not going up and down. We want to talk about that today. We have discovered that it is the nature of, of a sheep to wander and stray and get away from the shepherd. But the good news is that it is also the nature of a shepherd to restore sheep back to the flock who have gotten away uh, from his safety and from his love and from his care. So let's read Psalm 23 and 3. And you can read it out loud with me if you would like to. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And this uh, third verse is just beautifully divided into three components. And we'll talk about those uh, today and again next Sunday. But this message is for those, is for all of us. It is a warning to us that we can, we can get away from the shepherd. It is a warning to all of us that no matter where you are spiritually, if you make a few wrong decisions, if you make a few careless decisions, if you make a few selfish decisions, you can find yourself away from the shepherd. This message is also to those who have already done that, and you know this morning that you are not where you ought to be spiritually. This message is for those who are going in the wrong direction. You're a Christian, you're one of God's children, but you are going in the wrong direction. You're going in the wrong direction spiritually. You're sliding back away from God. And you may have fooled the pastor, and you may have fooled your spouse, and you may have fooled your family, and you may have fooled other people in the church, but you know down in your heart, uh, just like the guys from Fee said, in your heart of hearts, that's just got to be even more important for it to be in your heart of hearts. So in your heart, you know, in your heart of hearts, you know, that you're not where you ought to be spiritually and you've been wearing a mask and you've been hiding it well, but there are two people who know, and that is you and God. You know and he knows where you are spiritually. We're talking to those who remember a time when it was sweeter and richer and deeper and more intimate, more joyful than it is today. And I mentioned last week, I believe I mentioned this, uh, the group uh, Casting Crowns has a song called Slow Fade. And that song is about that. By the way, if you want to be in one of the greatest concerts you will ever be in, um, Casting Crowns along with Matt Redman will be in Raleigh in November. And I would urge you to go and be a part of that worship service. It is not a time of entertainment. I'm telling you, it is a time of worship. I encourage you to go to that. If it's on a Saturday night, I might have to get somebody to fill in for me at the bridge so I can go. And the people said, amen, pastor needs to go. And um, so we're talking about how God restores his sheep, how God restores his sheep. Thank God that our God is in the restoration business. 
We're going to look at this message under three headings, verse 3. We're going to look at it. We're going to look first, and what we've been studying last week and this week, the ministry of the shepherd. What is the ministry of the shepherd? Secondly, the mastery of the shepherd. And then thirdly, the majesty of the shepherd. We're talking about the ministry of the shepherd. And there are three kinds of sheep that need to be restored. And one of them is the stubborn sheep. The stubborn sheep needs to be restored. But not just the stubborn sheep, the straying sheep needs to be restored. And then we uh, mentioned last week, and we'll go into detail next week, the sick sheep needs to be restored. So how does God deal with the stubborn sheep? How does he deal with the straying sheep? How does he deal with the sick sheep? Well, every good shepherd has three basic tools that he works with on a regular basis. The rod, the staff, and the bottle of oil. The rod, the staff, and the bottle of oil. These are essential tools for a shepherd. So let's talk about how the shepherd deals with stubborn sheep. Now, I realize that this morning there are no stubborn sheep here in this service, but if you guys will hang around and watch that crowd coming in for the second service, you're going to see a lot of stubborn sheep there. So, so uh, let's look at it. God, We talked about how the shepherd, and, and of course we know in this teaching that God is the shepherd and we are the sheep. And sometimes we're stubborn, sometimes we get away from God. I told you last week that uh, if you want to see a stubborn sheep, sometimes all we have to do is look in the mirror and we see a stubborn sheep right there. Because we've all been stubborn. We've all had times in our life when we were stubborn spiritually and wanted our way and fought against the shepherd to do things our way and, and go down the path we wanted to go down. So how does, how does the shepherd deal with the stubborn sheep? Well, we talked about the rod and how he made the rod, and we talked about how he would use the rod to protect the sheep, but he would also use the rod on the sheep. And we talked about how when a sheep is stubborn, he will he will pop him on the backside, and hopefully that'll get the job done, and sometimes it does. If it doesn't, then he'll move to the head, and he'll pop him on the nose and more sensitive areas, and he hopes that works, and sometimes it does. But sometimes popping the sheep on the backside and popping him on the nose and the head doesn't work, and he actually has to break the leg of the sheep. He'll break his leg. And when he breaks his leg, he immediately has all the things there to bind that wound and, and to set that leg and to put that splint on. And then the shepherd will pick that sheep up and put it around his neck. And he will carry that sheep until that leg is uh, healed, that wounded leg is healed. And he will then restore the sheep back to his feet. And from that day on, that, sh that sheep that was so stubborn will follow closely to the shepherd. David said in Psalm 119 and 67, I used to wander off until you disciplined me, but now I closely follow your word. Right there it is in the Bible. Also in Psalm 119, it says, It was good that I had to suffer in order to learn your laws. So the word of God is clear that this is a way that God works with us. Let's look at Hosea 6 and 1. We all uh, looked at that last week. It says, Come. And let us return to the Lord. Now, the only way you can return to the Lord is if you have what? Been away from the Lord. So he says, come and let us return to the Lord. This message was to the nation of Israel, but it applies to us this morning. Come and let us return to the Lord, for he, the Lord, has torn. Let's say it out loud. He, the Lord, has, and he, but he will what? 
heal us. And then it says, he being the Lord, um, uh, it says, he has stricken, but he will bind us up. The same God who breaks us is the same God who binds us. And when he binds us, when he breaks us and binds us, it is in order that we might come to him, that we might become more intimate with him. Now, what we're going to do in this message is just go deeper into this idea of the discipline of God in our lives, the chastening, the chastisement of the Lord in our lives. We're just going to look at it deeper. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. We'll begin reading with verse 5. And have you entirely forgotten the encouraging words? Now, I think that's interesting that, uh, and I believe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. It doesn't really say who wrote the book of Hebrews, but it looks like Paul wrote it. And and so I'm going to refer to it that way today. Paul says, I'm about to give you some encouraging words. He says, I'm going to talk to you about how God will discipline you, how God will correct you, how God will chastise you, how God will, if he has to allow some pain in your life to get you back with him where you need to be. And he calls that encouraging words. And it is encouraging. We don't think of any kind of pain that we go through as being encouraging, but in this case it is, and I'm going to show that to you. He says, have you entirely forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as children? He said, and then he quotes Proverbs chapter 3 verses 11 and 12. So here's Paul in the New Testament quoting Proverbs. Now, Proverbs was written by Solomon. Solomon was David's son, and Solomon was a wise man. As a matter of fact, God asked him one day, what would you rather have than any other thing? I'll give you anything you want. What do you want? And Solomon said, I want wisdom. I want the wisdom of God. So here comes words of wisdom. He says, my child, don't ignore it when the Lord disciplines you. And don't be discouraged when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes those he accepts as his children. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who was never disciplined? I have, verse 8, if God... If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate. The King James Version uses a very strong word right there, the word bastard. It says you are an illegitimate. If God doesn't discipline, then you are illegitimate, which really means you are not really his children after all. So if you're not receiving discipline from God, that is not a good sign for you. Okay? Number uh, verse eight, verse 9. Since we respect our earthly fathers who disciplined us, should we not all the more cheerfully submit, cheerfully submit to the discipline of our heavenly father and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years during uh, doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always right and good for us because it means we will share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It is painful. And the people said, but afterward, there will be a quiet harvest of right living. Right living for those who are trained 
in this way. And certainly it wasn't joyful when the sheep came and had his leg broken by the shepherd. And I got to tell you something, it wasn't joyful for the shepherd either. I mean, the shepherd, first of all, didn't enjoy doing it. He, he secondly didn't enjoy putting the sheep on his, on his back and carrying them around for several weeks until the leg healed. So he didn't enjoy it, but he knew it was necessary. You see, God's greatest desire for you is not that you be happy, but that you be holy. Now, we live in a time when churches are telling people, and, I'm, and I say this too, and I think there is a time to say it and a way to say it, but we're living in a time where we want to make everybody happy. We want everybody to be happy. God wants you to be happy too, and God likes it when you're happy, but that is not God's primary role for you. That is not God's primary desire for you, is that you be happy. God's primary desire for you is that you be holy. Because when you are holy, that means you are right with him, and that means when the end of your life comes, you're going to heaven. I would rather go to heaven with a little bit of pain in my life than leave this world happy and lost. Amen, amen? So God, God brings some discipline into our life. Now, I'm not saying God likes you unhappy. I'm just saying that God's primary desire for your life is not happiness, but holiness. Because he says here, he says, the reason I bring this discipline into your life, uh, it brings peace. <laughs> Excuse me. It brings peace to you. It brings peace. Now, listen, listen, listen. You say, well, peace sounds like happiness. Not necessarily. The will of God for your life is not always the most pleasant place in the world. But it is always the most peaceful place in the world because you know you're where God wants you. You know you're where God wants you to be. And so there's a peace in that. How many of you know missionaries go overseas and live in very, very uncomfortable uh, uh, environments oftentimes in the, in, on the mission field. Very, very uncomfortable environments. We had a missionary come here one time and talked about it was so hot where they were in Africa that at night they would pull the bed out into the open to get any kind of breeze they could get. And they would even take the mattress off of the bed and lay on the wire springs because it got a little bit of air going. You know, and we complain, you know, if it's just two or three degrees off from what we really like it, we're complaining about it. My point is that that missionary may have been very uncomfortable, but he would not have been at peace anywhere else except on the mission field. Are y'all with me? So the will of God's not always, not always the most pleasant thing, but it is always the most peaceful. So he says, he says, the reason I discipline you is because. It, it brings peace and fruitfulness. And then it says, what is the fruit? What is the fruit? It says, the fruit that discipline brings is righteousness, holiness, purity before God. Remember our text. He restoreth my soul. He restoreth my soul. He restoreth my soul. Why? Why? So that he can put me on a path of what? Righteousness. See, that's God's goal. That's God's goal for us, that we be molded into the image of him. That we be holy before him. So when you uh, are stubborn and this chastisement comes into your life, the Bible gives us three ways you can react to chastisement. When God has to spank you, when God has to discipline you, there are three ways you can react to it. Number one, 
Number one, it's all in your notes. You can just fill in the little blanks there if you want to stay up with me and kind of know what's going on. It'll also tell you when I'm coming in for a landing, sort of, kind of. Resentment. You can resent it when God puts the wood to you. You can resent it. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 and 5, my son, do not despise Do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Don't despise it. In other words, don't resent it. As a matter of fact, it would be very, very, very foolish for you to resent God's discipline in your life. Now, I know I'm giving you a lot of threes, things in threes in this sermon, but that's how God's given it in the scripture, so that's how I'm going to give it. He gives us three reasons it would be foolish to resent chastening. If you look in your notes, I've got three little things right under that first one there, and just write these in. First of all, when you're chastened, it reveals your kinship to God. One of the reasons you ought not get mad when God spanks you is because it shows you're kin to him. It shows you are his child. So, So when you are chastened, it isn't something to resent, it's something to rejoice about. It is something to really be happy about and know that, hey, I know I just got spanked by God, but that means I'm his kid. Hallelujah. It's always good to know we are his child. And there's a, there's a system of doctrine in the world today that says we're all God's children and, you know, um, we're all going to go to heaven when we die because we're all God's kids. And, but there's one thing wrong with that. It ain't true. It's not true. As a matter of fact, in the book of Romans, it says you're an orphan. You're born into this world an orphan, and you have to be adopted into the family of God, and you are adopted in the, into the family of God when you accept the adoption on his terms. And that is when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart as your personal Savior. That is when you're adopted into the family of God and you become God's child. You're not born into the world God's child. You say, but Oprah said. I don't care what Oprah said. There's no book in my Bible that says Oprah chapter 4 verse 7. And, and Oprah, I love Oprah. I wish Oprah would pay her tithes here. That would be awesome. But Oprah's wrong. She's wrong. You say, she's rich. I might be rich, but she's wrong and rich. Okay? Because the only way you're in God's family is through Jesus Christ. I have a tendency to believe Jesus more than I believe Oprah. As a matter of fact, I have a tendency to believe anybody who stayed dead three days and then came back. I mean, I pretty much believe that person. (laughs) (laughs) What's the Bible say in Hebrews 12 and 6? For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And scourges every what? Son. He doesn't scourge if you're not his son. He scourge. You remember the word scourge was used in when they whipped Jesus. They, the Bible says they scourged him. Well, when the Lord comes and spanks us, it's because we're his son. It's because he loves us. And you might be here today and say, well, I, I, uh, I play around in sin a little bit, Pastor, and... Uh, I do things people don't know about. I've got my little hidden sins, and, and I come to church. Everybody thinks I'm a Christian, but I'm, I'm really not. But uh, I, don't, I don't get chastened by God, all this chastening you're talking about. Well, that ain't something to be happy about. That's something that ought to bother you. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 and 8, if God doesn't discipline you, as he does all his children, how many of his children does he discipline? 
See, all of us. It means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children after all. So don't brag about not being disciplined. Um, I want to talk to you this morning real quickly and then we'll move on about this idea of why it often looks like people who reject Christ and reject the Bible and reject the church, it often looks like they're doing better than we are who love God, love the Bible, love the church, have given our life to God and everything we touch breaks and everything they touch turns to gold. Y'all ever wondered about that, anybody? Those of you who didn't raise your hand, the altar will be open at the end of the service and you can repent. Um, we've all worried, wondered about that. We've all wondered, why is it that the heathen prosper? And we who are trying to serve God, it seems like doesn't, we just nothing works out, it feels like, sometimes for us. And there was a guy in Psalm 73 who felt the same way. And you can read about that when you get home. Please don't read it while I'm preaching. Uh, but write that down to read Psalm 73. There's a Christian in Psalm 73. It's a Christian. And he is ticked off at God. I mean, he is ticked off. And he is letting God have it, and he is shaking his finger in God's face, and he's saying, he's saying, uh, have I, ha, he says uh, in there, have I received you into my life in vain? Have I decided to be a Christian in vain? Is there any advantage to being a Christian? You ever wondered that? Is there any real advantage in being a Christian? And so he, he battles with that. Here's why. God, God doesn't spank the devil's kids, God just spanks his kids. If my wife, my boys are grown now, but let's go back 15 years, and, and let's say that my boys are little, or go back maybe even longer than that, 15, 16, 17 years, when they were little, and, and I have two boys, and let's say my wife's washing dishes, and she looks out the window, and there are four boys throwing rocks and breaking windows. She is going to call in how many of those boys? Two, two. Because you can't spank the neighbor's kids. Now, when I was growing up, the neighbors could spank you. Y'all remember that? I remember my daddy went up to a map, drew a big circle, five-mile radius. He said, anybody in that circle can whip you anytime they want to. Okay? And a neighbor called, hey, uh, Mr. Willard, your son is down here, and man, he is really showing himself. And my daddy would go, and you have not spanked him? I mean, what's the deal, you know? And then send him up here, and I'll spank him too. Um, that's why I'm the fine man I am today. Um, <laughs> uh, so so the, God doesn't spank the devil's kids. Here, here's the deal. We are Christians. When, when a Christian sins, when does a Christian deal with that sin when he sins? Right now. I mean, you, you commit a sin... I mean, just, just treat your wife wrong or, 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 or tell a half-truth, or which is, what is a half-truth? It's a whole lie. And so, you know, just tell a half-truth and see what happens. I mean, God starts right then, doesn't he? God's like, ah, oh, oh, I love you. That was wrong right there. Now, there's a difference in conviction and, and condemnation. Condemnation pushes you away from God. Conviction says, come here, come here, come here. God's saying, come here, come here. That wasn't right. Come here. I mean, when you were a little kid and you broke the law, you know, mom's law, what'd she say? she said, go away, go away? No, she said, come here, come here. And I dreaded coming here. I dreaded it, you know? But, but uh, that conviction pulls you to God. Condemnation is Satan, and that pushes you away from God. Does that make sense? And so 
And so uh, uh, we're on the pay-as-you-go plan. Unbelievers are on the layaway plan. Y'all remember layaway? You would just put it away, and you would just put, pay money on it a, a, a little bit, and then you would, you would get it later. You say, well, where's that at in the Bible? I'm glad you asked me. Let's look in Romans 12, and uh, I'm sorry, Romans 2 and 5. And, and uh, if you want to follow along in your Bible or look up on the screen, this is uh, Paul. <clears throat> and Paul says, but no, you won't listen. That sounds like a parent, doesn't it? <laughs> but no, you won't listen. So you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself because of your stubbornness. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of that because we just don't have time. But read all the way through verse 10 when you get home about how God deals with unbelievers and how God deals with believers. Now, if you're here today and you're not a believer, you haven't received Jesus yet, we're not trying to make you feel bad. We've all been there. We've all been there. Everybody in here has been where you are if you've not yet received Christ as your Savior. I've been there too, and, and everybody sitting here has been there. So we're not putting you down. We just want you to understand some of the things that we've learned, and that is that God doesn't spank the devil's kids. He spanks his kids. So that's why we're on the pay-as-you-go plan, and, and when you're on the pay-as-you-go plan, uh, it can look like sometimes you're suffering while people who aren't serving God aren't suffering. Are y'all with me on that? Um, I'll give you a little illustration on uh, payday. There's always payday. Y'all do know you got to pay. There's an accounting day. You know that, don't you? There's a day when there's a reckoning day when all accounts are settled. Um, how many of you know where Shines Crossroads? You know where Shines Crossroads? Okay. My daddy went to pastor church there. Matter of fact, my daddy's pastored both those churches at that crossroads. He pastored the Fort Run Church, and then later in his life, he pastored at Free Gospel Church. Two churches right there really close. And I remember we, we'd lived in town most of our life, and uh, so we didn't you know, how, know how country life was that much. And then my daddy took us out there, and uh, daddy's going to pastor Fort Run Church. And we went with him to the country store one day. And uh, we walked in, and all these guys were sitting in there, like on drink crates and little wooden benches and stuff. And they were all talking, talking about nematodes and stuff like that. I didn't know what that was. But it was a bunch of farmers. And when we walked in, what did they do? Stared at us. And, uh, you know, because we were furners. And so we, we came in, and, and my daddy introduced himself as the new pastor. And uh, then he went around. Y'all remember when uh, drinks used to come in a carton? And he got a couple of cartons of RC Cola and put them up on the counter. And uh, he got some uh, out moon pies. I don't know what he got. He got some stuff. RC Cola moon pie always goes together. And put it up there. And he got maybe some bread. How many of y'all know what hoop cheese is? Glory. Hallelujah. <laughs> hoop cheese will send you to heaven early, but it is worth it. <laughs> Eat hoop cheese and say, I'm coming home, Jesus. That's some good cheese, man, isn't it? Man, let's just think about it a minute. Okay. Um, so Daddy got some of that, and then, and then he came up there and um, told the man, he said, I'd like to open up an account here, and I'd like for you to write this down, and then I'd like to pay you at the end of the month. And, of course, we didn't hear all that stuff about paying. All we did, we just saw Daddy get something and not give the man any money. So we went outside, and I was telling my brother Chuck about it, and uh, my brother Chuck is kind of dumb, so he didn't get it right off the bat. And uh, so I told him, I said, just go with me tomorrow, and we're going to see how that works for us. 
So we went to the country store, and we walked over to uh, we walked over to the man. We were a little nervous the first time, and um, so we got a few little items and just wanted to test it. And uh, we walked up to the counter and. Um, we said, uh, you remember us? And he said, I believe I do. He said, are you the pastor's, new pastor's sons? Yes, sir. Uh, we'd like to charge this to whatever that thing he did yesterday. And uh, he said, I, I'm sure that's fine. He got that piece of paper and wrote that down and put it there. Me and my brother walked outside. We're high-fiving, low-fiving. <laughs> and, uh, and, so, and so we, uh, we, we come back the next day. We ain't nearly as nervous the next day. And then every day, we tried stuff, you know, potted meat, like that. We tried all, we just like, we're man, country living is a life for me. We, we thought this is the way country people live. Just get what you want and write it on a piece of paper. This is the greatest thing in the world. But one day, we're watching Gomer Powell on TV. <laughs> and Daddy walks in with these tickets, and he fans them out like a church fan. Reckoning Day came that day right there. I didn't know it was coming, but it paid. And I didn't have any money. I didn't have any money, but I paid that day. I paid. Okay, y'all with me on that? So, so a lot of times it looks like for unbelievers that they're going to get away with sin. It looks like this part ain't funny. Um, I can't get them to laugh at the funny parts and can't get them to stop laughing at me. <laughs> Work on my timing. But unbelievers often, when we look at them and they're doing so well, we think, man, what's going on here? I'm a Christian and I just struggle and I fight battles and I have stuff come in my life and I'm praying all the time and I'm in my word all the time because it's just like I'm fighting this thing all the time, and that's nothing in the world but God just working in your life to keep you righteous. You're his kid. You're his kid. And that's why when you're on the way to church on Sunday and you see everybody else with their big boats, and look, don't be envious about that. Don't be envious of people who don't know Jesus. Have pity in your heart. To envy an unbeliever is like envying a pig being fattened for a slaughter. And I'm not trying to be, listen, you can't, you say, well, I'm an unbeliever, boy, you're really being, we've all been where you are. Nobody's getting on your case. I'm just telling you, you need to come to Jesus today. And be one of his kids. And then when you stand before him, he's going to look at your account and he's going to go, you know what? You, it's paid in full. Come in. I don't want to lay away wrath. I don't want to lay that away. So, so the first way you can react to discipline is you can resent it. And then there are three reasons not to resent it. And the first one is that it shows your kinship to God. Don't resent when God spanks you, because that just shows you're his kid, okay? The second reason you shouldn't resent it is because it renews your worship. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 and 9, since we respect, and that word respect means to give reverence or honor, it carries with it the idea of worship. Since we respect our earthly fathers who disciplined us, 
disciplined us, should we not all the more cheerfully submit to the discipline of our Heavenly Father? Because that means we get to live forever when we, when we submit to the discipline of our Heavenly Father. So, have you ever noticed how men, when they're sitting around talking about the way their daddies disciplined them, that they, those men swell up with pride? Have you ever noticed that? Man, my daddy, boy, he put it on me, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, he's proud of it, you know? Guys, guys love, oh, yeah, let me tell you about my daddy beating on me, boy. It was great. You know, it wasn't great then, but when you grow up and realize the benefit of it in your life and where that discipline brought you, you're very thankful. It makes you have reverence for your father. Have you ever seen a child that's not disciplined how they talk to their father? I hear, I, hear, uh, um, I hear teenagers and young people and children right here in this church. They, they talk to their parents. I'm telling you, if I talk to my daddy like that, I would go, uh, next sentence out of my mouth would be, what hospital am I in? I'm telling you, man, I, I'm just amazed. And even kids who are like uh, 21, 22, 23, 24 years old, the way they talk to their parents. I was in a situation recently, and a young man who's in college and everything, I heard him talking to his daddy. Let me tell you something. I'm 52 years old. If I talked disrespectfully to my mom and dad right now, they would, they would act like I was 10 years old. And they'd say, let me tell you something, preacher boy. <laughs> Would you big church? You, you go home and get a right attitude and then come back to our house. But don't come in here with that. I would never do that. But if I did, my mom and daddy straighten me out right now. I'm amazed. I'm just really amazed at it. I don't know why I got off on that. But when you discipline your children, here's three things they know. They know that you have a standard. They know you love them. And they know it's for their good. I feel sorry for kids who don't have parents who love them enough to discipline them. I really do. So it, it renews our worship. Y'all remember I talked about Jacob, and remember how Jacob was rebelling against God, and Jacob was a tricker, schemer, liar, supplanter, tricker. And, and you remember how Jacob, uh, God wrestled with Jacob and touched. What did God do? God crippled the man. I know we don't like this preaching, and, and we don't like to see God this way, but God loves you enough. He touched, he touched Jacob in the hollow of his thigh, and Jacob's thigh came out of joint, and he limped from that day till the day he died. In the book of Hebrews, I read it to you, chapter 11, it says when Jacob was old and dying, he worshipped, leaning on his staff. God crippled him to crown him. Because of his rebellion. The third thing, reason that you should not resent, is because it restores your fellowship with God. Hebrews 12, 11 says, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Do y'all remember getting spanked by your parents and going, thank you so much. I tell you, I have been the meanest thing and I've been needing this for so long. Give me some love. Thank you so much for that. Do y'all remember talking to your parents? No! And let me tell you kids something, any kids who are, who are in here. When, when daddy's spanking you, get in close, man. Wrap your arms around his knee. If you get way out there, I mean, it's just way, it's just so much easier. So just come in, come in. 
I mean, he might give himself a lick. You never know, you know, if you come in. I know these new parents are going, I just cannot believe he's talking about that. Um, Hebrews 12, 11, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It is painful. But afterward, there will be a quiet harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. It means that when God disciplines you, you say, you know what, God? You are right. I am so sorry. Please forgive me for that rebellion and forgive me for that sin. Listen, listen, listen. When God removes the sin, the, the sin is no longer there, so the divide is no longer there. So now you're back with God. The only thing that separates us from God is sin and rebellion and pride. So when we let God wash us of that and get that out of our life, it brings the fellowship back. It brings the fellowship back. Okay, now let me close. So you can resent it. Number two, do y'all see number two? Y'all, are y'all with me on the notes? Okay, number two, the other way you can react to chastening is you can faint under it. You can faint under it. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 and 5, don't be discouraged when he corrects you. Don't be discouraged. You ever seen a fellow Christian kind of faint under God's correction? I've seen it. I'm a pastor, been a pastor a long time. I've seen it happen many times. Christians get stubborn and mulish, so God brings chastisement into their life just like he promised he would. It's no big surprise. It's right there in the book. And instead of them, instead of them receiving that the way they should, they wilt. They don't get resentful. They just kind of throw up their hands and just quit, and they become spiritual dropouts. Which basically says, I want to live any way I want to live, and I don't want God to say anything to me about it. And if he does say something to me about it or does discipline me, I'm just going to quit. I've seen this happen in the church many times. When the discipline of God comes into your life, it's not to push you away from him, it's to draw you near him. So don't faint under it. When you're being disciplined by God, don't faint under it. Don't, Don't give up. Don't give up. You say, well, what am I supposed to do? I mean, Pastor, when I sin or I do wrong and God brings discipline in my life, I can't get upset about it. I can't get mad about it. You just told me that. I can't faint under it. What am I supposed to do? I'm glad you asked. The third thing, be trained by it. Right at the bottom of your paper. Be trained. He says in Hebrews 11, uh, the last part of that verse, he says, there will be a quiet harvest of right living when discipline comes into your life for those who are what? Trained. So let the discipline train you. Discipline or correction comes into every Christian's life. This verse doesn't mean that when chastisement comes uh, uh, that you, you uh, are allowed to resent it or faint. You're, you're rather to yield to it. You are to let it train you. You are to let it mold you. Let the discipline of God mold you back into the image of Christ. So if discipline is coming in your life, listen, listen, listen. You say, well, sometimes bad stuff comes into my life. Pastor, I don't know if it's God or the devil. I love what Pastor Jimmy says. Pastor Jimmy, we'll be sitting in a staff meeting. Pastor Jimmy, who's our, our, our children's church pastor, he says, well, I'd like to say something, and I don't know if this is God or gas, but i got to say this, you know. So, so sometimes he says something, and we all look at each other and go, I think that was gas. But sometimes we don't know, we don't know immediately if what we're suffering is God or the enemy or, and, and sometimes it really isn't either of them. Sometimes it's just because we live in a sin-cursed world that Adam and Eve messed up. There are now thorns on rose bushes because Adam and Eve messed up. 
And those thorns prick everybody's finger, the righteous and the unrighteous. Are y'all with me? Here's my point. Anytime anything painful comes into your life, the will of God is for you to react to that negative thing in a way that draws you nearer to him. React to that in a way that brings you closer, more intimate with him. And I know that it's so easy when really, really bad stuff, really, really disappointing stuff happens. It's easy to resent. And it's easy to just, I give up. God says, don't do that. God says when negative things come into your life, whether it's my discipline or whether it's an attack of the enemy or whether it's just because you live in a sin-cursed environment, when negative things come into your life, and it isn't a matter of whether they're going to come, they're going to come. When they come, it's how we react to it. So when that pain comes, you look into the face of God, and God will even let you get upset, and he'll let you get angry and he'll let you go through all that but then ultimately you come to him and say but God show me how that this thing I'm going through show me how to react to it in a way that that when I come out on the end and on the other side that I am purer that I am closer to you that I am more sanctified more holy, more like you, that I reflect you more in my life. Because I'll tell you something, people are not watching you when everything's going well. People are watching you when you're under the gun. Lost people are watching you when you're, when you're under the fire. All these people you've told about your walk with God and all that stuff, they watch you when you're under the gun. They watch you when you get lied on or criticized. They watch you when you lose your job. They watch you when you didn't get that promotion you thought you were going to get. They watch you when disappointment comes into your life. Because see, what they want to know is, are they really different? Do they really have something I don't have? That is your moment to shine. That's your moment to shine. Don't react like the world. Be trained. Be trained by it. Be disciplined by it. That's what the word is. He's disciplining you. So be disciplined. Let it discipline you. Let it smooth you out. You, you want to you get a piece of furniture where people really, really love it and will pay a higher price for it? You want a piece of furniture to become more valuable? Then sand it. Sand it down until it's smooth. That's what these hard things that come in our life, it's sandpaper. Sandpaper doesn't feel good, but boy, it makes us more valuable to the kingdom if we react to it correctly. Father, let your word change us. Let your word be in us. Don't let us go out and go, that was a really interesting little message Pastor brought today. God, let this word mold us into your image. Let this word sand off those rough places today and help us to react to your discipline in a submissive way that you might mold us more into your image that we might be more like you because God as much as you love it when we're happy that's not your main goal for us your main goal for us is not happiness it's holiness 
we submit to that today in Jesus' name. Everybody said, hey, listen up, right before you get